Now I want to cut some tape. I love cutting tape. <laughs> Welcome to Social Distance Assistance. I'm Kelly. And I'm June. I am often accused of being overly positive, uh, particularly in the face of negativity. This is Castro, our first international guest. I'm a terrible Brit in that regard. She's a UK-based writer and programmer-turned-social-care worker. At the start of this lockdown, I felt a little bit lost. I do a lot of in-person support suddenly finding myself unable to do that and wondering how I could use my time to support people was really on my mind a lot in the the first few days of lockdown. I was scrolling through Twitter one evening and someone that I know in the UK said on Twitter, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could use technology to help people who may be feeling isolated maybe stuck with families at the moment who aren't as accepting as as their friends or the people that they're used to spending time with. That tweet was from Jacob Edward, BBC One's first publicly non-binary radio producer. They got to talking, and within six hours, Kestrel made a prototype. Validation Station, a text service that sends a daily, customized, affirming message to LGBTQ plus people, was born. A lot of people, particularly younger LGBTQ plus people, have had to go back home to families that maybe they're not out to or that aren't necessarily supportive of their identity, which is, is really where this idea came from. It started with a handful of people, then 100, then 1,000. Being able to work on the validation station gave me a project that I could sink my teeth into and, and really focus on the good that it could potentially do rather than stewing about other things. Now, 8,000 people in four countries get messages each day. So some of them are quite fun. Some of them are a bit more serious. Uh, One here that got sent to me today was, uh, when you smile, Kestrel, the whole world smiles with you. You are so brilliant, so wonderful, and so loved. Validation Station is open for anyone, but the messages are designed for trans people. When you sign up, You fill out your preferred name and preferred pronouns, so the validation station can be tailored to you. Trans young people are facing really difficult situations on every front. Such a huge part of trans support networks happen outside of the home, particularly for young people who are either not out to their families or live in hostile environments where they're not actually able to be their true selves. So the validation station was a way to be able to say, how do you want to be identified? What is the the name that is true to you? What are the pronouns you want to be known by? And right now, when you can't get out and see your chosen family and the friends that would validate you, can we do this to sort of send you messages so that you're able to get that feeling of validation? I'd like to think that when someone receives a message from the validation station, it's not overly a distraction, but it's something that pops up in their periphery and just adds a little strength to their day. It adds a little more to their armour. This week, we're talking about mental health during unexpected isolation. We know that isolation can contribute to anxiety and depression. So we wanted to hear from people who came up with creative ways to stay connected to help people cope 
at the end of the show, we'll share a bunch of resources, including how you can connect to Validation Station. It's incredible to think that this little hack that we put together in the space of a few hours and then improved over the space of a couple of weeks is actually doing good every day and helping people. Uh, And that is just, I can't describe the feeling of, of pride that that gives me. Listening to a sample of Sounds of Comfort During Quarantine, an audio collage curated by Emily Shaw, a radio producer in San Francisco. A couple weeks ago, I found myself, I just felt this pull to record sounds of what was comforting me during quarantine. I rode to the ocean, um, I recorded the sound of the ocean, I'm like walking there. Um, the sound of birds and things like that. So I had recorded all of these sounds and it was kind of like, what's the point of this or what do I do with this? And it occurred to me that maybe I could reach out to other people and see if they had sounds and that um, I could incorporate those sounds and kind of create something with all of these sounds of comfort from all over the world. I think actually one of the first ones was the sounds of people cheering for healthcare workers in Manhattan. I mean, it made me cry just listening to it because I had tried to find the cheering in San Francisco where I live and I actually haven't been able to hear it yet. The one that I found the most surprising and delightful was probably one from the documentary filmmaker Phil Cox um, in Sicily. I was totally not expecting him to send me this recording of a quarantine horse race between his son and his son's friend. On your horses, ready, attention, et vous prêt, partez. I'm going to win this. They, they put like sheets or something on chairs and they kind of made these little horse faces. And it was just like the delight. I mean, it was, it was completely not something I asked for or ever imagined would be happening somewhere in the world. Um, Emily wanted the final product to sound like a mix between a song and a guided meditation, something people could turn to for comfort whenever they needed it. I wanted it to be something that I would want to listen to over and over again. Um, And so there were some sounds people sent me that actually didn't sound like something I would want to hear over and over, like the sound of their cat eating uh, cat food, right? So I was like, that's comforting to them to like feed their cat, that routine. But I was like, I don't want to hear this again. I invite you to find a comfortable place to sit or lie down and close your eyes. Here we go. So I added that instruction so it could kind of be like a meditation. And while people are listening, they could notice how they're feeling when they hear the different sounds and try to be in kind of a calm space to to feel like that support of listening to it. Did you feel pressured to just keep making stuff during the lockdown? I actually gave myself permission to just play and just record the sounds. Even if I just did that and didn't finish anything or publish anything, it would be okay. Um, But it was really other people's contributions that gave me that energy to really make something. How do you think 
hearing other people's voices and noises makes a difference right now, especially. I mean, I'm biased because I love audio, right? And this is my job and my passion in my life. But, <laughs> you know, there's something so intimate about hearing someone's voice. I think it feels very immediate. If I hear someone's voice or I hear a sound from where they are, I feel like I'm there with them. I mean, I need other people. <laughs> you know, we all do. So like a song, I want it to be something that someone could listen to that they would find comforting and feel connected to other people and feel less alone. Alone, we have our things that are helping us, but when we come together, we can create something for everyone that's kind of better than the sum of its parts. So, June, what sound would you submit to Emily's project? What's the sound that you find most comforting right now? The sound of my mom talking. (laughs) You don't have to say that. (laughs) I want to. Okay. Because it does. For me, I think it's things that remind me of the nice parts about being at home, like the sound of the coffee pot in the morning. (laughs) Oh, I know what mine is, actually. It's probably the sound of the dishwasher. Hmm. Oh, it was a couple nights ago that, like, Dad and I were sitting on the couch, and he was reading, and I was doing a puzzle, and the washing machine was going, and the cat was snoring, and the dog was, like, dreaming, and our her paws were scritching on the rug. And I think you were in your room reading a comic book and just, like, cackling your head off. <laughs> that was pretty nice. <laughs> I agree with you. Especially the cat snoring. Crisis Text Line started in 2013 as a free 24-7 service for people who needed someone to talk to. The founder, Nancy Lublin, chose texting as a format because young people that she'd worked with told her texting was more comfortable for them than calling into a crisis hotline. This is Ashley Womble, head of communications for Crisis Text Line. When someone texts 741-741, the first message they get from us is an automated message that has a link to our terms of service and asks, what's your crisis? We have an algorithm that ranks the order in which you will be texting with a crisis counselor. So, for example, if you say, I'm on a bridge, I can't do it anymore, you're going to be considered a high-risk texter, and we're going to work to make sure that you're texting with a crisis counselor in under one minute. Everyone else will get their response in under five minutes. Most of the users are under 25, but during the pandemic, they've seen older people reaching out for help in the 35 to 44 range. And we suspect that any of those people who are texting us are parents and are really struggling with the stress of having to work and parents kind of 24-7 for the foreseeable future. 
Kira Silverman heard about Crisis Text Line and decided to sign up to be what the company calls a crisis counselor. I think heading into this coronavirus, none of us knew how long this was going to last or what it was going to be like. And the longer we're in quarantine and lockdown and kept away from each other, I think the more many different kinds of people are experiencing lots of different issues from anxiety to fear. It feels really destabilizing to not know what the future holds and not be able to control it. And I think that's driving a lot of people to seek help from organizations like Crisis Text Line when maybe they wouldn't have before. We're very tired. One thing that we would text about is lack of sleep and waking up in the middle of the night. <laughs> Definitely. What if we texted about that? Do you know what you would tell us? I I think I would say like, uh, wow, that really sucks to not be able to sleep. What do you think is keeping you from sleeping? Mm. How much time do you have? (laughs) Exactly. Because like what they want you to do is like validate the fact that it's okay to not be sleeping. That's like a perfectly reasonable response. And then to like, instead of being like, why don't you try taking a melatonin? Like they want you to give the person an open-ended question to like think through what is it that's making me not sleep? I'm like, why am I having trouble sleeping? And kind of dig into it themselves instead of you actually doing any problem solving for them. Do you think that's going to be difficult when you are done with training and you and you finally start doing it to like only listen and not offer advice? (laughs) Yes, I think it will be really, really hard to not interject my own personal thoughts. I, I like to solve problems and I like people to feel like I'm helping them or contributing to them in some way. And I think when people complain about something or they're expressing themselves, it can sometimes be hard to tell like, are you actually asking me to like get involved in your situation or are you just like sharing a thought? Like a huge part of crisis text line that I have found to be really interesting is the idea that just like validating someone's feelings as real and just letting them know that it's okay to feel whatever they're feeling. And I think it's really easy to be like, oh, don't feel that way. Like you you don't need to feel that way. It's going to be fine. And like maybe it will be fine, but that doesn't invalidate how you feel in the moment and just Sometimes like the only way through an experience is to have it. That's what I'm signing up for is to have those difficult conversations and to be able to be a sounding board for people. It's a nice relief to know that like it's not my job to solve the problem. It's just my job to listen and validate. Crisis text line requires 30 hours of training over two or three weeks. Kara has a few hours left until she's official. When Kara does get started... Every exchange will be reviewed by a supervisor, someone with a master's degree in social work or a related field. You think this is um, fulfilling your urge to help people? Yes and no. Part of me will probably always feel like there's something more I could be doing or I'm not doing enough. But I, I feel also like very comforted knowing that I am able to at least do something. I think we take for granted that our mental health matters as much as our physical health. And even though like I'm not a I'm not an expert, I can still add value and I deeply appreciate being enabled to do that. While some people have found texting to be an effective way to communicate right now, Others are going a little more old school. Welcome to Quarantine Chat, 
We're about to connect you to someone else, somewhere in the world to talk. Your prompt today is, how do you think this period of time... Quarantine Chat is an app that connects people who are in isolation due to the pandemic in a telephone call to talk about whatever's on their mind. That's co-creator Max Hawkins. Quarantine Chat is part of a bigger app he helped build called Dial-Up. My friend Danielle and I have been really fascinated by the telephone for over two years now. And so we've, we've been building experiments that connect us in phone calls. They wanted a creative way to stay in touch with each other from across the country. So they made Dial-Up, an app that would randomly call the other person every couple of days. But their other friends wanted in on that fun, too. Now, Dial-Up is full of phone lines with set times for you to join and get connected to people all over the world. Each line has a topic. There's one line where it calls only on the full moon, the night of the full moon, and connects you with another person to look at the the moon together. That's adorable. (laughs) Um. It's pretty interesting. I I had an amazing call with a a guy outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and it was interesting because I'm I'm based in Los Angeles, where it's you know famously covered in smog, and I couldn't really see the stars very well. But he was out in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico, and so he was describing the stars to me. Dial-up's tagline: Reviving the magic of talking on the phone. Quarantine chat is one of the newest lines you can choose in the Dial-up app. In February, I was hearing a lot about the lockdowns happening in China and how tough it is to be in social isolation. So we realized that we might be able to help in some way by connecting people to have these conversations. That's why we launched Quarantine Chat. And there's one to two calls every day. When the call comes in, you can either accept it or not. If you do, then you get paired with a random person who also picked up at the same time. And you can talk for as long as you like. It only uses your username to identify you, and you can hang up at any time. We expected the calls to be relatively short, like maybe five to 10 minutes. But we very regularly hear from people that they've had these like one, two, three hour long calls. We even had someone say they had a a six hour long call with somebody um, that they didn't expect to click with them. But once they got on the phone, they just couldn't stop talking. Isolated folks with phones could call family or friends. But Max thinks it's really beneficial for people to continue having random interactions with strangers, like you would if you were at the grocery store or a bank or whatever. When you talk to someone who's not related to you or has a different set of experiences from you, it changes the way that you think. And if you are stuck at home without those sorts of random interactions, it's really easy to kind of get stuck in your own head. Our producer, Molly really likes talking to random people. She was so excited to try quarantine chat. Ah, it's true. Hey, Molly. (laughs) Hey. So I've really been digging quarantine chat. Late Friday night, I got matched with a woman in the Northeast. We talked for about a half hour, and it was really nice. She was struggling, though. She was living alone, without a car. She was feeling pretty isolated. Oh, wow. So quarantine chat gives everybody a prompt to start with. What was your prompt with this woman? Yeah, it was, where would you want to be if you could be anywhere? What did you say? Karaoke. (laughs) I I miss it so much. Uh, We talked about what songs we would sing. Nice. I would sing Sing in the Rain because that's what I sang last time I went to karaoke. An excellent choice. 
So I've used Quarantine Chat a couple of times now, and I think one thing that's really great about it is a lot of people miss surprise right now. You know, that feeling Mm. of not knowing what you might get into today or just going where the wind takes you. Yeah. The days just run together now, but this app brings an element of surprise to the day. Yeah, Max says that he's heard from a lot of users that quarantine chat connections have been meaningful and really useful for overcoming isolation. Yeah, I had a an interesting call with a woman in Belgium. It was about 3 p.m. my time, and it was 3 in the morning for her or something like that. She couldn't sleep. And so we ended up having this conversation. You know, she was pretty afraid of the virus. We talked a little bit about that. And then it kind of went into all these other areas where we ended up talking about um, dreams and what you'll do after pandemic. And it, it becomes this sort of like wide-ranging conversation. Okay, sorry to jump in here, but like, why the telephone? We have all these newer, more advanced ways of talking to each other. You're able to form a stronger emotional connection with someone when you're speaking to them with your voice than when you're texting. I haven't encountered like another way of communicating that has the ability to get you lost in a conversation for a couple of hours. The nice thing about about the voice is that it untethers you from your screen. So if you're texting someone or you're doing a video chat, you need to be looking at the screen for it to work. Whereas the phone sort of disappears if you're having a good conversation. A great quarantine chat conversation has this ability to cover a lot of ground and go into places you wouldn't expect. And I think that the feeling that I get when I have a particularly great quarantine chat is that even though we're all apart right now, there's a lot that connects us. And it's pretty easy, even with a completely random person, to find some bit of overlap. And that's our show. We hope you're all doing as best as you can out there. Stay tuned for a list of resources from today's episode if you find yourself feeling anxious or depressed about being socially distant. Maybe we'll get connected on Quarantine Chat. Speaking of mental health support, our show is moving to a -a once-a-week release. We'll be telling you stories and speaking to experts on only Tuesdays now. This is to give us more time to bring you amazing helpers, but also to take care of ourselves so we can rest, play, and design elaborate sets for musicals in the living room. Wait, what? Never mind. Okay. Well, we look forward to seeing you back here next Tuesday with a brand new episode. We'll talk to a therapist about the mental health crises they've been witnessing, how they're preparing for the road ahead, and what we can do to help the mental health helpers. If you're looking for help yourself, here are some resources from today's helpers. These will be in our show notes, too. Visit validationstation.net to sign up for daily affirmational texts. Also, Kestrel is looking for people who can help her start a Chinese-language version of Validation Station. So if that's you, email hello at validationstation.net. For soothing half-song, half-meditation, you can find Emily Shaw's Sounds of Comfort at soundcloud.com slash emily dash shaw dash creates crisis text lines website is crisistextline.org if you're in crisis please just text 741-741 right away and you can get a quarantine chat by downloading the dial app
Have an idea for a story we should tell on social distance assistance? Or want to tell one on the show yourself? Get in touch with ideas and pitches, or just let us know how you're doing. Helpers at vpm.org. Social Distance Assistance is produced and engineered by June Harcastle Robinson Jones, Kelly Jones, and Molly Bourne. Social Distance Assistance was created and edited by Nate Toby. The guy that makes it all happen is Gavin Wright. Digital assistance from Angela Messino and the VPM News Team. Steve Humble is VPM's Chief Content Officer. Music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. Like what you heard today? Help us out by subscribing to the show in iTunes. Leave us a rating or a review. Members are a fundamental part of VPM. Member support is especially vital right now. Through member support, we're able to provide timely and fact-based information, educational resources for our kids, and informative and entertaining content to keep minds active and engaged. Be a part of what makes VPM possible. Visit vpm.org donate to become a member today. VPM.